You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's up, Dub Nation? We are back after a couple of weeks because Brady's too lazy and he's always skipping out on me. I don't know what the heck he's been doing, but he's back in the hot seat. I'm Jazz Kang. He's Brady Klopfer. Lots to talk about with the Warriors going into the final couple of games of the season. They're playing pretty, pretty good as of late. They beat the best two teams in the NBA, the Phoenix Suns and the Utah Jazz, the last couple of times out. Four in a row, they've won. They've also won six out of seven overall, sitting in eighth, barely hanging on still to that uh, eighth and and uh, eighth seed in the Western Conference, which would be the second play-in berth. Uh, Brady, what have you made of the team over the last couple of weeks here? Because we're looking at them from an overall standpoint. You wrote about this for GoldenStateOfMind.com that they're playing their best basketball of the season. And one of the changes that they've made is going with a different lineup to close things out. You have obviously Steph Curry, Draymond Green. They're also going with Jordan Poole, JTA, Andrew Wiggins. Without Kelly Oubre, without Eric Pascal, why have they been so much better, do you think, in the last couple of weeks? I think there have been a few things. Uh, Partially, I think they found the rhythm a little bit just because the schedule was easy, allowed them to find the rhythm a little bit against teams like the Thunder, uh, what do you mean rock. the Thunder aren't good? What? what? <laughs> <laughs> I know Brady Clopper breaking news here. We all weren't ready for it, but Thunder not not a great basketball team right now. Um, so they got a little rhythm. Truthfully, I think one of the biggest things is you know Steve Kerr talked all year long and got a lot of flack when he had his you know unfortunate chasing wins statement that he you know then kind of tried to backtrack on. But they really did spend a lot of the year trying to toe the line between development and winning now as you would expect a team in their position to do. And now they've had injuries to a lot of the players that were on the developmental side of things, and it's forced them to kind of scrap that element a little bit. James Wiseman and Eric Pascal, they're talented players, and, and I don't want to say harsh things, but there's no way around it. They're the say two them, Brady. That's why players. we're here. Say them. Say them. Here Let's we go. Play. Here we go. They're the two worst players on the roster that have, that have played – that have actually been in the rotation. Obviously, Alan Smilogic, worse than most of them. But as Not far smiley, as the players right? yeah. who have gotten, <laughs> <laughs> as far as players who have played regularly, those are the two weakest links on the team. You expect them to be weak. One's a rookie, one's a second-year player. Players aren't usually good then, uh, but the Warriors have tried to develop them, and it's hurt hurt the product. And now they don't have that option. They've they've both been out of the lineup. They're having to play. A smaller rotation, they're having to give more minutes to guys like Juan Toscano Anderson. And as a result, Juan Toscano Anderson has developed further and he looks like a much better player than he looked a few months ago. I keep people keep telling me on Twitter, oh, they should have been playing Juan Toscano Anderson 30 minutes this whole time. Juan Toscano Anderson didn't look like this in January. Yeah. And maybe they still should have because playing him has gotten him to that point, but he has elevated his game. Jordan Poole's elevated his game. Kevon Looney's been playing well. And part of it is those guys have been getting steady minutes next to players who are playing better because they're not being held back by any developmental issues of trying to work in other players. And then finally, sorry to drag on the answer, Draymond Green is just playing out of his mind right now. 
And I don't think it's a coincidence that he's playing out of his mind at the end of the season when every game is extra meaningful. They can smell the playoffs. They can actually have a reasonable hope of doing some damage in the playoffs. The games matter, and Draymond's playing like it. I'm, I'm with you on that. I love what Draymond has brought, not just obviously on the defensive end, which he's still one of the best defensive players in the league. He's been the anchor uh, playing the five. Obviously, I don't think that was the optimal situation. That wasn't what they were looking for to close out the games. Like you mentioned, Kavon Looney has done an awesome job, right? I mean, ever since Wiseman went down and Looney's been starting, sure, he's not playing more than 20, 25 minutes a night, depending on the opponent, but he's held down the fort without Wiseman. And then like you mentioned, the, the injuries, the, the COVID protocols. Yeah, Steve Kerr's had to adjust. And that was kind of frustrating for me because I believe in Steve Kerr. I think he's a, I think he's a very, very good coach, top five in the NBA. But we weren't seeing a lot of changes. We weren't seeing a lot of adjustments in the beginning of the season, which was frustrating for everyone. And I think, you know, when Jordan Poole got back in March from the G League, that's helped a lot. And like, like you mentioned, the way these guys like JTA has been amazing, right? Like since since oh, he's kind of, yeah, he's, the way he's worked himself in, and, you know, he's kind of being in the role that they were maybe envisioning for a guy like Kelly Oubre, where you're not forcing things. You're not, you know, when you get the ball in your hand, like, and I found that with Oubre, where the games where he was playing really, really well, especially on the offensive end, he was slowing things down, letting the ball come to him. His shots were uncontested and he was kind of, you know, cutting at the right time, being found on the, on the back door. But what happened as the games he played awful, which there were many, especially in the beginning of the season when he made what one out of 25 or zero 25 three pointers was that he wasn't, he was forcing it. And I think with JTA, what you're seeing is, okay, I'm catching the ball. I'm going to make the right pass. I'm going to make a quick pass and cut to the hoop. And he knows this isn't my job. Isn't to score 20 points. My job isn't to score 25 points. My job is if I get 8, 10, 12 off of open shots, great. But let's keep the ball moving and, and keep sharing the rock. And I think that's where the, the, the Warriors have found some success. Now, going into that, I mean, I think they'll beat New Orleans on Friday. They should. I'd be disappointed if they didn't. But going into that Sunday game against Memphis, we don't know yet the status of Eric Pascal. We don't know what's going to happen overall with Kelly Oubre. The hope was that they, they would be back during this the six-game homestand. Uh, again, that might change before Friday's matchup against New Orleans. But when you're going into that Memphis game on Sunday, it looks like it's going to mean something unless the Kings do the Warriors a huge favor and sweep Memphis on back-to-back -back nights. What do you think happens in that game on Sunday? Just based off the fact that we know the Warriors, they haven't been consistent all season. They're starting to find the rhythm now, but this is a team also capable of laying an egg. So when you're looking at that game on Sunday and how much it means, what do you think is going to happen against the Grizzlies? You know, they've disappointed me many times this season in times where I thought, hey, this is a big opportunity to show up, and then they don't. Um, so I'm taking a risk by saying this, but I think they win. Uh, I think they win cleanly. I think they just look good. Uh, you know, they've just been playing well lately. They've got the rhythm. They've got the – I think they've got the confidence right now that they're not just having good results, but that they're having good process. I think the win against Phoenix went a long ways because – they beat the team with the second best record in the league when Steph Curry was having an off night and there wasn't anything fluky about it. It's not like, you know, everyone else shot, you know, 15 for 17 on threes or something like that. Well, Wiggins played, had 38. I don't know. If Wiggins, Wiggins had 38. Happen. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. That's not going to happen every night, but you, you know what I'm getting at, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah. they just played better than Phoenix, even with Curry having an off night, they, they played better. They didn't, they didn't get lucky. They played better. And I think right now, they have that confidence that they're carrying with them, and that's going to really show up against Memphis. They've just been a much better team than Memphis over the last month or so. And in my opinion, it, you know, Sunday is essentially a playoff game. Mm -hmm. 
And I'm a big believer that when it comes to the playoffs, the biggest advantage that you can have is to have the best player in the game. And the Warriors have the best player in that game by several orders of magnitude. Uh, and I think it comes down to that a lot. So I think Steph will have a big game. I think everyone else will have a big game. Uh, I expect that to be a, a comfortable Warriors win. Comfortable. Okay. So what are you, you going to put the, the final winning margin at? What, what's your, like, you can give, give us a little bit of a range here. I'll go 10 to 15. Whoa. Who is this guy? We were doing this podcast three weeks ago. We were talking about how we don't know what to expect out of the Warriors. Now he's predicting him to win by 10 or 15. And a huge pessimism. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's right. You got a little bit of a trim with the hair, Brady. There you go, man. You got, you got the confidence. You know it. <laughs> focusing on, focusing on the playing round. Like we know the dubs have already clinched a spot there. Looking likely that it's going to be the Lakers. I don't think anybody would have thought this even, you know, in the beginning when, uh, LeBron had went down with the ankle injury and AD was already out. I think the assumption was they'll figure it out. Uh, but also looking looking at the whole picture of it, I know Lakers fans are a bit like, we don't want to play against the Warriors in the opener of, of the play-in tournament. How scared are you of a Lakers matchup in, in, in the opening round of the play-in tournament? Because the way I'm looking at it is, and we saw this earlier, I think it was MLK Day on the, on the Monday where the Warriors were, were down by 20 at Staples. And Steph Curry went off in the in the third and fourth quarter, and the Dubs hung on for a two point win. So I think that that can happen. Do you think the Warriors have a legitimate chance to beat the, the Lakers? I do. I really do. I you know if you're telling me that I have to bet everything I own on a, on one of the two teams, I'm going to put it on the Lakers. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But I I do think that the Warriors have a legitimate chance. I think they match up well with the Lakers. Um, you mentioned that game. You know. Curry got crazy hot, but they also just, as a team, they just played really well in that game. Their defense really stepped up. Andrew Wiggins did a did a really good job in that game defensively. Draymond Green, great defensively. And then you have a Lakers team that, you know, we don't know what to make of this Los Angeles team right now. They, they have been free-falling. They haven't had the chance to get Anthony Davis and LeBron James on the court together much to build back that rhythm and that chemistry. You know, this, this isn't the Lakers team that we saw early in the season. It isn't the Lakers team that won a championship last year. They might get there. Uh, I'm terrified of playoff LeBron James. doesn't matter how many times the Warriors beat him. LeBron James in the playoffs is a terrifying man. Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't want to bet against him. But right now, they're a scattered team, and, and I don't think we have any idea what they're actually going to look like next week. Um and whereas they're likely to run into a Warriors team that is firing on all cylinders and has all that chemistry. And in a single elimination game, if the Lakers need six minutes to, you know, get up to speed and, and find their rhythm, that can be the difference. Uh, so I do think the Warriors have a decent chance in that game, uh, even if they're not going to be the favorites. And personally, I really like it as a matchup because the Warriors, you know, in this scenario, they're the, they're the eight seed where, you, you get two chances to get in. So you get to start the play-in game against a Lakers team where if you win, that's a big statement. That's a lot of fun and a lot of excitement. And I know Warriors fans would love nothing more than beating LeBron James and putting him on the brink of elimination. And if you lose, you still get another chance against a team, likely against a Memphis team that you've played pretty well against this year. Well, we're hoping DeJounte Murray goes off against Memphis and somehow the Spurs <laughs> win that game. But I, you know, I, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. I don't, I think in a seven game series, a fully healthy Lakers team will handle the Warriors. I, yes. I don't want to say easily. I think they, you know, again, Curry can score 45 in a game and stretch that to six or seven. But in the, like you mentioned, with all the 
the changes, all of the, the, the absences that they've had, like Dennis Schroeder still not back. And you're looking at these kind of things where they're not just missing three guys, you know, that are a part of the rotation. They're missing three of their best players. And like you said, they're not going to have much time to get back together, get, get back on the practice court and, you know, work on things and iron out some kinks and adding in Andre Drummond, you know, where does he fit in with AD and LeBron on the court? They don't know that yet. And they're not going to have time to figure that out. It's not like you can say, okay, maybe we lose game one here, but let's figure out how we're going to attack, you know, game two and, and let the rotation set itself. So I think that the Warriors are in a pretty good spot now, given the fact that they beat both Utah and Phoenix in, in the, you know, this past week, who would you rather play in the opening round in the playoffs if you had to pick up one of those two teams? This is a really, really hard question because they both present a lot of difficult matchups for the Warriors, but also some interesting areas to exploit. Um, just taking the context of where things are now, I would say Utah just because they have the injury question marks with Conley and Mitchell. Um, I think you roll the dice on there. I really like the Warriors' chances if those guys are out, and I think they have pretty decent chances if one of those guys is out. Um, but assuming that both teams are at full health, I think I would pick Phoenix. I don't think the Suns are playing as well right now as they were early in the season. Um, they're still finding ways to win games, but their net rating has, has really fallen off a lot over the last four to six weeks. Uh, I think they've just lost a little bit of that firepower, a little bit of that rhythm. Uh, I think the Warriors can take DeAndre Ayton out of the game a little bit if they get small. Uh, I think they have wings that can do a pretty good job on Chris Paul and Devin Booker, as we saw uh, on Tuesday. And ultimately, you know, Phoenix's best player is Chris Paul, and arguably his best asset is his ability to defend. And Curry is just, he gets the better of that matchup. I'm a huge Chris Paul fan. I think he's the third greatest point guard of all time. But Steph Curry just cooks him. When did you become a huge Chris Paul fan? Come on, Brady, what, you respect Chris Paul. I don't know if you've ever been a huge Chris Paul fan, and we can't let, say that, Let right? me rephrase. <laughs> I think Chris Paul is an exceptional basketball player. <laughs> Let's put it that way. That's fair. I, I think he's a better player than, than most Warriors fans will admit. Um, but Curry, Curry cooks that matchup, uh, and, and they do a pretty good job. Guys like Kent Bazemore, Andrew Wiggins do a pretty good job defending uh, Chris Paul as well. So I think, you know, there's, there's an opportunity there to exploit or not exploit, but there's an opportunity there to kind of limit what Phoenix has done to find success this year. And, and I see some opportunities there for the Warriors to, to find some wins. I'm, I'm with you on that. And even that matchup that they were playing with them, you know, earlier in the week, the way the Phoenix was playing and it was kind of going up and down, up and down. I don't think the Warriors are suited to play that way. Now, not, not compared to what we saw, obviously in the heyday, you know, 2017, 2018, but what we're seeing from them right now is being controlled and pushing the pace. Like if they're able to get rebounds and get out and run and you're able to come off a steal and, and, and try and get a quick basket, then do it, but don't play so fast against teams that have that firepower. Like you mentioned, because Phoenix, when like guys like Jay Crowder, Mikhail Bridget, they're just, you know, chucking up, they're chucking up threes and they're going in, they're going to be tough to beat. And so I think that that's where that's where the Steve Kerr, I think, has done a way better job over the last couple of weeks in terms of switching things up and trying to find out, OK, maybe what we were came into it came into the season with and midway through the season, what we thought would work maybe isn't working. So let's try and outsmart the other team a little bit and change things up. So I think they're doing a great job of that. Let's let's wrap up on this. We're going into the final two games. Steph Curry still battling it out with Bradley Beal for the top, you know, the highest scoring player in the NBA. Steph's at thirty one point six. 
I'm sick and tired of all the slander. I am. I, it is It is getting way too much to hear people be like, oh, he's not very good. And ha, 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 look at the Warriors. They're, they're sitting in eighth in the, in the Western Conference. And it's like, first off, the Warriors are one in seven without him. And so if you look at if you look at where the Warriors would be if he was healthy and they were winning at the same clip as they have with him, they'd be a game out of sixth right now. And that's what, you know, when the Luka Doncic, Portland, uh, or Luka Doncic in Dallas, um, you know, Damian Lillard and Portland, where people are talking about, wow, these guys are amazing. Steffi would be right there if he didn't miss eight games. And to me, you look at all the metrics in terms of the advanced stats, you know, uh, box score plus minus, he, he's right up there in the, in the top three. You pretty much all look at a majority of any of the stats in the top players of the NBA, offensive box score plus minus, offensive win shares, he's in the top 10. I can, go, I can go on and on and on. And again, if you're looking at historical context, the guy is the 10th highest scoring player ever in the NBA finals. Let's not forget that either. And, and people have just hated on him and said all the wrong things, especially Rob Parker. I'm, I'm friends with Rob Parker, but Rob, enough with this bad mouthing Steph Curry, right? Talking bad, him, Jazz. Yeah, talking bad about Curry, talking bad about LeBron, talking bad about Tom Brady, me hating on anything that's great pretty at this point, right? That's, that's what Rob's <laughs> doing. So we'll have Rob on the podcast eventually to discuss this. But to me, what Steph Curry has done this season, turning it on and when he when he's going and he's hot, the Warriors are a tough team to beat. Do you think that he'll get less respect or more respect based off what they do this season in the playoffs? Because looking forward to next year, when Clay comes back, they're gonna it's gonna be a whole different ballgame. Yeah, that's a great question. I'm right there with you. I'm 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 tired of all of it. It's it's ridiculous. And I know some of it gets overplayed on Twitter, and, and most people are big fans of Curry and understand him, but that little voice of people who are slandering him, it gets too loud and and it's ridiculous. It's just, it, it's insulting and it's ridiculous. But to answer the question, I really don't know. I think it depends on how he performs and I anticipate him performing really well. Like you said, he's the 10th highest scorer in finals history and, and that's in line with how he's done in the playoffs. I don't know where the narrative that he's not a great playoff performer has come from. He is a stunning playoff performer. Uh, on both ends of the court, he really ups his defense in the playoffs as well, in my opinion, and his playmaking. And, and so I think, you know, regardless of how the Warriors do, assuming they get past the play-in and into a seven-game series, if Curry plays in the playoffs the way he's played over the last few months, if he's averaging 33, 34 points, a few games where he's making eight, nine, ten three-pointers, I think that's going to bump his reputation a little bit. Because I think at that point, people will start to realize that the whole put, put the team on your back thing is nonsense you need a team around you. You're not going to win games without a team. And if he loses while putting on superhero performances, people are going to realize it happens. You know, it might happen to LeBron this year as well. It, it's happened to Giannis a few times. It, it just happens. You know, you one, one player can't, no matter what Michael Jordan wants you to believe, no, no one player can carry a team to, to a championship on their own. So assuming that he keeps up this performance in the playoffs, I think he is going to, increase the respect a little bit, but it might need to wait until next year when they can make a, a more thorough run post Kevin Durant See, I, for I him think, to really get it. I'm with you on that, but I also think that you're going to have a sub section of people and NBA fans and basketball fans who are just going to hate on him anyways, right? Like, yeah, I mean, have... look, we're 12 years into his career. If you, if you don't respect the guy, that's a you problem, not a Steph yeah. Curry problem. <laughs> yeah, you know, and he, and he said that. He's like, I got a lot to accomplish, nothing to prove. And yeah. so I think when you're looking at what Curry 
is. And, and, and even if he scores 45 a game and they lose in six in the first round, those same people are still like, oh, he can't win in the playoffs. It's like, okay, dude's got three NBA championships, uh, the only unanimous NBA MVP, back-to-back MVPs. He's pretty much well done anything a great player would do. So that's why I'm hoping that, you know, I'm hoping because I want to see it as an NBA fan that I want to see Steph Curry play a ton in the playoffs. Hopefully they can win around maybe two and, and who knows what happens there. But to me, the disrespect will continue simply because these people are incapable of changing their mind. And so we'll, you know, it doesn't matter what he does. Like I said, he could score 55 a game and take him to the second round and people are still going to be like, well, he lost in the second round. And that's just going to be the narrative about Steph. Haters going to hate. I have to add that. That's right. That's what people do to us too all the time. That's the problem. It's true. I hear it every day. Brady, you are so bad. And I tell them the same thing Steph does. I got, I got nothing left to prove. But the ones who are saying it to you are kind of right, right? (laughs) (laughs) That does it for this episode. Don't forget, you can listen to the audio portion of this on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your fix. And don't forget, subscribe to us, our, our YouTube page at Golden State of Mine as well. Brady, He's got the he's got the Warriors winning by 10 to 15 over the Grizzlies on Sunday. We'll see if that comes true. Let's we'll be back do doing this again next week, previewing the play-in. Uh, hopefully give you some rapid reaction to that as well. You can follow Brady on Twitter at what, Brady? Brady Klopp for NBA. And if you can spell that without me spelling it out for you, good on you. I've been working with this guy for a year. I still can't spell his last name. So <laughs> we'll catch you all next week. 